Hey, welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Show. This is the second half of the show, and thank you guys for joining us. You know, we're going to start off with a fresh topic, and let's see. Uh, the first one here I've got is on Police One Chicago cop who fatally shot an armed man in a foot pursuit. He is stripped of his police powers. We actually covered this story back on May the 3rd. Uh, Chicago police leaders have stripped an officer of his badge and police powers two months after he fatally shot Anthony Alvarez in the city's uh, Portage Park neighborhood. So Officer Evan Solano, they took his police powers pending an investigation by the Civilian Office of Police Accountability. Of course, it's known as COPA. Now, Solano has been identified as the officer who shot 22-year-old Alvarez, who was carrying a gun during a foot chase. And the move was the first was first reported by WTTW.com. So Alvarez's shooting death at the hands of Chicago police, uh, coupled with fatal police shooting of Adam Toledo two days prior, uh, there was community outrage in reference to that protest and a call by Mayor Lori Lightfoot, who David's fond of, uh, to create a police foot chase policy. So Alvarez, our bad guy, was shot by Solano on March the 31st during an early morning foot chase. Uh, video footage of the incident. Uh, it shows Alvarez holding a gun before he was before he was actually shot and fatally shot. Police initially said the shooting occurred during an armed confrontation. And during the pursuit, though, the person produced a handgun, which led to a confrontation with police. So that's what they said. Now, the video footage actually shows Solano or cop pursuing Alvarez in an alley before he turns into a small yard. A shot was fired uh, by our cop. Um, as Alvarez moved away from the officer and images from a security camera showed Alvarez dropping the pistol as he falls to the ground. So it wasn't immediately clear while the department, why the department waited two months before stripping the officer of his powers. But the officer has also since been involved in a traffic altercation during which he produced a handgun. Um, doesn't say that it wasn't justified though. Captain Bartlett. I'm, I don't know why they waited two months. I don't know why they did this at all. Am I missing something here? If the video shows the bad guy had a gun up to the point where, where he fell to the ground after he was shot, I don't, I don't, I don't see it. I don't know. Understand Brett, you're not missing, Brett, you're not missing a damn thing. I said the same thing. Brett, you're okay. spot on. You're not missing a damn thing, brother. All right. Yeah. Now, why, why would anybody, why would anybody want to go to work, work in California when you, when you could yeah. be a cop in Chicago? What kind of stupidity? Is this Beetlejuice? Oh, Beetlejuice? Dave, Beetlejuice? Dave, Dave, My God! Dave, 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 they tried applying to California. You said no, so they went <laughs> to Chicago. <laughs> I know. Uh, listen, I can't cover all the bases on every show, but yeah, okay, Chicago's on the list. How, how insane is this? I mean, it, 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 it just like I said, no foot pursuit policy. It, that guy this weekend, Fourth of July weekend, there were eighty-eight shootings in Chicago. Eighty-eight. And I don't know how many died. It, that is almost like a, 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 a footnote. And, and several of them were children that got shot. So this cop shoots a guy carrying a gun, running. How many people did that cop save from being shot that coming weekend? That's my question. It, it's just, this is absolute insanity. I'll add Chicago to the list. Get out if you can, guys. Get, ladies and gentlemen, cops in Chicago, get out of there if you can. Save yourselves. All right, thanks. Captain and Lieutenant, go ahead, guys. Uh, just real briefly, I want to say hi to Chuck, who's watching, used to be with us at work. Uh, my nephew, uh, Steve, is watching, and my son-in-law, Jamie, is watching. Hi, guys. Man, that's <laughs> half our audience, Brett. <laughs> <laughs> hey, 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 they're only watching until 8 o'clock for the lightning face-off. Oh, oh. <laughs> Good point. All right, Randy. Lori Lightfoot is the most incompetent, useless mayor next to Ted Wheeler in the United States of America. 
She is she is part and parcel of the of the dramatic rise in shootings in in Chicago. Um, now, it, not only I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but as of July first, the new Illinois anti law enforcement bills took effect. So all of those quote sweeping police reforms that Illinois state legislators snuck in in the literally the last day of the legislative uh, term. They snuck it in at five o'clock in the morning. All these incredibly anti-law enforcement bills, those laws, most of them took effect July 1st. And, and you ain't seen nothing yet. So, Randy, let me ask you something before you mute your mic. Um, is it fairly safe to say that she's not going to be a guest at your um, your wounded the wounded blue summit? <laughs> I uh, I actually have asked for uh, several interviews with her, and I know this will shock you. Um, I'm still waiting. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, well, Dave, uh, David, I'm sure he didn't refer to her as like Beetlejuice, so he's probably getting well, a little bit further well, along than you would be. Well, according to the news, she doesn't take interviews with uh, white uh, uh, reporters. So I guess you're out, Randy. I, I, and I suggest that Randy stands in front of his mirror and say Beetlejuice three times real fast. She may appear whether she wants to or not. I don't know. <laughs> I got to say, is she? It, no, I can't. I'm not going to say it. <laughs> well, yeah. I, changed, you know, I, changed my, I changed my mind. We might get, we might get closed down. <laughs> I'm sorry. Hey, I'm you know, but I'll, I'll tell you what, though, that's a proud agency. You know, we got a video later where you might get to with NYPD with people twerking on a police car. That was a proud agency. Three years ago when they had the riots in Baltimore, and I've got friends up in Baltimore PD, and those guys had a retreat. That's a proud agency. There are men and women that put that uniform every day in those big cities. They go to work, and they got to work under those kind of influences from the politicians, and they, 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 they're born and raised there. That's their family. And I don't know what to say to those folks, except, you know, put your head down and keep your feet moving because they got some really talented people up there. And you, they just hope they can weather the storm with these politicians. It's friggin' horrible. But those are proud agencies we're talking about. San Francisco used to be the I'm sorry, the shoot. And they were the best out in, you know, in California. You, know, you look what they're doing in Oakland, Philadelphia. You know, these are agencies that you expect. These are the big boys, right? These are the ones that they, they set standards. They did all the things that, you know, medium-sized agencies that we worked on emulated. And I feel bad for the cops that are still getting up every morning, working, putting their belt and their gear on, and going out there having to work in those conditions. All right. Thanks, Chief. Captain, closes out on this, and we'll, we'll move on to the next one. You know, I noticed uh, a couple years ago when all this crap was happening, all that video from NYPD, and I realized something bad was happening when Sean and Chauncey, because that's all the names of the New York cops, they were, they, it turns out, now they're afraid to wade into the crowd and punched the loudest mouth right in the snot locker. I mean, who, who would have ever thought that would have changed? But I, that's when I realized, oh, this is just going all downhill. Thanks, Captain. All right, guys, excellent commentary. Thank you. Okay, thinbluelinetv.com. Suspect grabs a deputy's baton and assaults him, and a second deputy fatally shoots the suspect. So this is, uh, I guess as Corporal David would say, when you have to trust your partner. Uh, but this is, there's a video associated with this, obviously. Um, so we've got on March the 21st of 2020. So this is about a little over a year old. At 11.10 in the morning, Kern County Sheriff's deputies assigned to the um, 
I guess, to a substation were dispatched to a business for a report of a subject that was trespassing and threatening customers. When the deputies get there, the subject had already left the area, but after deputies leave, they locate the suspect. He's identified as 30-year-old uh, Israel Lucas. He matches the description. Deputies talk to him, acknowledges that he was at the business, tells deputies that he's going to continue to do what he wants to do. So then he walks back to the business uh, where he's been trespassing, and he stands in the doorway. Deputies get an employee. They do the trespass warning thing, and uh, he they tell him he needs to leave the property. Of course, he refuses to leave. So deputies then advise him uh, that they're going to arrest him, and they'd go to put him in handcuffs. So Lucas immediately begins trying to break free of the deputy's uh, grips, and a deputy utilizes OC pepper spray on Lucas, but it has no effect. So Lucas continues fighting with the deputies, forcing them into a glass wall multiple times and punching each of them in the face at least once. So during the struggle, Lucas gains control of one of the deputy's batons, and he starts chasing uh, the deputy and swinging the baton. I, I'm, I'm sorry that I'm chuckling, but I'm, you, know, you, can, you can see this happening in the video, but he's hitting the deputy at least once in the shoulder. So recognizing that Lucas was armed with a baton and striking a deputy with it, the additional deputy, uh, he discharges his firearm and he causes the attack to stop. So Lucas falls to the ground and deputies give medical aid, but it wasn't good enough because the bad guy dies at the scene. So Chief Newman, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, look, I know Dave's going to weigh in. You said they were going to arrest him. My God, I thought they were going to dance with the guy down the sidewalk because really that's what it looked like. He was much more prepared than they were. I got to tell you something. He he was much more prepared. He, they said, you're going to jail. He's like, yeah, not so much. He, ha he had his game face on. He wasn't going to go to jail, and he had the best of them. I don't know what those guys were thinking. I, 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 Dave, did they treat it too lightly? But this, no. guy was, this guy was more prepared than he was, and look what happened. You know, you're right about that. He, he was – I don't know about if he was more prepared. Yeah, I guess so, because they certainly weren't prepared for anything. Um, another example of extremely poor arrest techniques, and I'm not going to call it defensive tactics because it's not defensive tactics, it's arrest techniques. Um, you had one cop working, work, literally working against the other, and that's what it looked like. It looked some, like some sort of a hoedown going down the sidewalk. It was just hysterical. Um, but the first thing, when the first cop showed up on scene, I'm, I'm looking at the video, I'm trying to figure out, what in the heck? Is that guy got hanging off his waist? Or was I thought he was a canine deputy with a big leash hanging off his... It was the baton had to be three feet long. I mean, who the heck carries that crap anymore? Like, what is that? So that's the, the first, and they're limping around like it's a cane. It was, it was hysterical, but yeah, it was just a very poor example of arrest techniques that devolved into a situation where deadly force had to be used because they were unable to effectively use anything else to take the guy down. At some point down, I was waiting for the bigger guy that didn't have the hat on. The guy that had the hat on was doing a real poor job of working against his partner. There were attempts at, at leg sweeps and trips and all sorts of other crap that never worked because one guy was working against the other. The big guy was just waiting for him just to wrap the guy up and just body slam him, but even that didn't happen. Just all poor, right. poor arrest techniques that ended in, ended up being a deadly force situation because they lost that baton on the ground. 10 seconds, Brett. I wish they would teach in the academy punching people in the mouth because when you see these videos of bad guys getting punched hard in the head they go down every single time all right good thanks guys let's take another commercial break we'll be right back
right, guys, let's talk about how best to watch our show. You know, we do a live show every Monday evening at 7 o'clock Eastern time. And then this 90-minute live show, producer Will takes it. He splits it up in the five segments, and he uploads those Tuesday through Saturday. Uh, but those five segments, he embeds the videos that we talk about, pictures of the people that we're talking about, good guys, bad guys, it doesn't matter. So our live show, we're now streaming on Vimeo. And from Vimeo, it actually points the stream to YouTube and Facebook. So all three of those sources, you can watch at 7 o'clock on Eastern time on Mondays. And we're soon going to be adding uh, LinkedIn and Rumble to that list. And of course, our segments appear initially on YouTube. We get them on Rumble as well. Now we're also on uh, Thin Blue Line TV uh, with Ray Dietrich. So it's a great resource for us. And also TampaFP.com with Brian Burns. So please check out those sources. back to the Leo Roundtable show. Any more commentary? Yes, Chief Newman, jump in there. Yeah, really, really, I have a request for, for Randy because I haven't been on the panel since he's got here. Sometimes you know, we, we always like, we seem like we're critical and we're, we're money, you know, money morning quarterback and somebody. You're a lieutenant, you know, you, you, you got a lot of experience. What's your take on, on that video? Did you, you get a chance to really look at it? I think that we have, we've taken um, policing to a point where um, we, we aren't, we aren't training the guys properly in defensive tactics or, and or um, we have cowed them to the point where they are afraid of using the proper amounts of force when, this, when the situation uh, calls for it. Um, now, watching these two guys, there was a lack of commitment, shall we say. Um, and you know what? The, the unfortunate reality is that we have all type, all different skill levels out there, experience levels. Um, the, this was not a, this was not a performance that um, that that was something to really be proud of. Uh, but I think that maybe we, you know we're we're doing this to ourselves because we're we're causing our cops to use lower levels of force than they should be utilizing at the appropriate time. All right. Thank you, Lieutenant. Captain, you want to close us out on this? Yeah, it'll never happen. I'd love to see this, Chip. An agency trains their guys, trains them hard. These are the techniques. And, and, and the rule is, is this. If, if, when necessary, if you don't go medieval and put a damn damn upside his head, we're going to write you up because you didn't do the right thing. We're going to send you back to the academy. When it's time, climb up on that guy's head and dance. Dance him to the ground. Get up on him. Hey, Brett, oh, you know something, though? Wait, Chip, you start this show every week with saying a bunch of retired guys. How come it's a bunch of retired guys telling us these youngsters, hey, do me a favor, go get your hands dirty. Game on. Game game on. We How many times we talk about officer-involved shootings with people that have mental health issues? This guy had some issues, and they took it lightly. This could have gone the other way. Maybe they don't get. he doesn't get his baton, he gets his weapon. But you got a bunch of four or five guys here. We're all retired. We're all saying, hey, man, game on. You got to get it. You got to get your hands dirty. You got to get in the business. And these two guys failed to get in the business until it was too late. Good point. I mean, uh, like Lieutenant Randy said, you know, everybody's got a different skill set. And, you know, we've got a video coming up. I hope we have time to get to it where the bad guy had a, had a high, high skill set. And, uh, you know, he put a hurting on, on a couple cops. And, uh, you know, they should have, they would have been justified going deadly force a lot sooner than they did. Um, but speaking of skill sets, 
I want to move to our next video. It's on Thin Blue Line TV. Uh, New York City Pride event attendee. He slash she slash they, them, Z, Zem, it twerks on an NYPD vehicle. And I'm just reading the title, guys. Um, it's uh, it's NYPD, of course, and it's a uh, LGBTQ twerking uh, on the hood uh, incident. It's a great video. I, I don't I don't know how to characterize the person doing the twerking or the dancing or whatever. So, uh, uh, but any anyone dare the comment on that video? Ward, of course, Ward would be the first to, to open his mic. Go ahead, Ward. Well, I found the display ugly. Of co- I mean, uh, uh, nauseating, of course. But the article says the New York police now won't need to respond to any LGBTQ hate crimes because this, quote, person, end quote, twerking on one of the cruisers just solved the hatred with their dance moves. Can anyone on this show possibly tell me what that means? I, I, I mean, I've read it over and over and over again. What hate crimes are they talking about? And how does the dancing solve the perpetrated hatred? Why well, I, I think here's I, what it, here's what it means. Ward, that. It, yeah. mean, it means NYPD is so cowardly now that they're that they're using any excuse to to uh, uh, say this behavior is okay. So rather than saying uh, us saying, "Hey, you guys are idiots for not arresting that bonehead," now they can say, "Yeah, but it was an LBGTQ." We can say queer again now, by the way, and and it solved all the problems. It solved all the problems. We're so happier now. And all we did was just lost the top of a police car. But look at the look at the bonus we got. We got love. All right. Speaking of love, Captain. All right, I mean, uh, Chief, go ahead. Yeah, I, it's symbolic to me. The person sitting on top of that car is the person in charge of, the, of that type of behavior. Is really, you know, it, 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 it's higher than a law enforcement agency. I said a few minutes ago that, you know, NYPD is a proud department. You wouldn't have put up with this five or six years ago. I don't know why you would put up with it for, you know, now. Um, I don't care what they're representing. It it could have been, you know, it it could have been the Irish parade or the Thanksgiving Day parade or, you know, the Puerto Rican festival they have there. I mean, they have a lot of different parades and festivals. That's unacceptable behavior. And they allowed it to happen on one of their cruisers. And I think that's a bit symbolic of where we find law enforcement today. Largest, biggest, most influential law enforcement agency in the country and look who's dancing on top of their cars and i think that's about says it all you know uh, captain brett the only thing i can really think of is that i mean lieutenant randy probably knows better than anybody he's in vegas but when brett and i were working together at least this cop did not have to wash stains out of his jeans when when he was done when it was over you know that's the only thing i can say first off that's nasty secondly if they're going <laughs> what they should do is have one patrol car nypd with a pole on it driving around town so if you got a dance on you can just jump on that and get that out get that out of your blood and hey, that's what we have firefighters yeah. that's what firefighters yeah. are for. oh that's right and on another note uh hi to, hi to steve used to be with our agency he's on uh he's on facebook watching us now hi steve oh excellent all right randy i just you know the the, the cop who was sitting in that car wanted to get out of that car and drag that oh drag wait a minute no. Oh, oh, good. Okay, maybe I shouldn't go there. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and get that, <laughs> and yank that, yank that creature yeah. off of the hood yeah. of the car and handcuff it and throw it in the back of the car. That's what that officer wanted to do. But that officer was actually smart enough to know that 
it would be photographed and videoed by 40,000 people, and he would be the next target of the NYPD's IAB. That's the that is the unfortunate reality. Yeah, and I respect I respect Randy for identifying that person's pronoun as it. I think that's good. See, that shows that you're on board, Randy. It, that's your pronoun. All right. Well, thanks, guys. Uh, interesting. Let's see. I've got uh, just a few seconds here. The next one's going to be on Police One, and it says Honolulu police shooting of a man who attacked officers was justified. Hey, guys, we'll take a commercial break. We'll be right back. So let's talk about how best to listen to our show. If you're not in a place where you can watch the video, you know, we are nationally syndicated on the radio. Um, now, some of our radio stations that we have, and we're uh, up to 23 right now, we're on the Boss Hog Radio Network. Now, they gave us our break in the terrestrial radio. So they've got five stations, four AMs and one FM. They're in Bushnell, Lakeland, and Plant City. This is all in Florida, uh, Winter Haven, and also in Avon Park. Now, we're also on WBCF. They have an AM and an FM in Florence, Alabama, and we are in Coleman, Alabama on WKUL. They have a couple FMs over there, uh, goodtalkradio.com, and also amfm247.com, uh, but they also have a terrestrial presence in Tampa Bay, Florida, where I'm at, Las Vegas, Nevada, where Randy's at, Macon, Georgia, Lancaster, Pennsylvania, Boulder, Colorado, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Long Beach, California, David's favorite place, the villages in Florida, Jacksonville, Florida, and Washington, D.C., and also threeriversbroadcasting.com. So, guys, check out those terrestrial stations if you're within range. Welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Show. We're going to be talking about this Hawaii shooting. And uh, let's see, like I said earlier, Honolulu police shooting of a man who attacked officers was justified. So Honolulu police officers' use of deadly force justified. No charges are going to be filed against them in a shooting that killed a black man. And, of course, Ward, they've got to say black man in the, in the, you know, in the article to make that point. Uh, because an investigation found that he entered a home uninvited and physically attacked the officers. Now, this happened April 14th, and it was a shooting death of Lindani Maney, 29 years old. It's drawn international attention, including uh, civil rights activist Reverend Al Sharpton has weighed in on this. Honolulu prosecuting attorney Steve Alm said that his office's investigation refutes those who said the shooting shows that despite Hawaii's multicultural diversity, that police are racist. Yeah, we still have people saying that. So two days. Now, here's the, the, the one I was talking about where, where we have a bad guy with a skill set. Two days before the shooting, uh, uh, I guess Miami... He told his kickboxing instructor that he was going through a crazy African spiritual stuff, going through that. And so our bad guy, he was South African, national, and he recently moved to Honolulu. About 30 minutes before the shooting, our bad guy interjects himself in a situation where police are investigating a, a vehicle break-in. They told him to go away. And um, anyhow, he comes uh, back, and he's uh, – asking for money to buy food to try to get into he tries to get in the back of a police car and from there he drives a short distance to a home where a tourist who don't know him were staying and he's wearing a feathered headband i can just visualize this he follows the tourist into the home tells a woman that he has videos of her he claimed a cat there was his randy should you know 
have a little connection there. And he made comments about hunting. So the frightened woman calls 911. There's a body camera video. It shows our bad guy punching responding officers, leaving one with a facial fracture, fractures and a concussion. He also continues to punch an officer even after he was shot once in the chest. So two officers returned the work and one is still recovering from their injuries. So a lawsuit filed by Miami's widow says that police were motivated by racial discrimination and that he likely mistook the house for nearby uh, Hare Krishna temple that's open to the public. The story just gets better and better, David. So police tried other methods, including deploying a taser, but it wasn't effective, of course. And uh, then they finally ended up doing a volley of three shots. So the officer who fired the three shots yelled police after the gunfire. Remember those days, Brett, before videos were around? But Alm said that uh, Miami, our bad guy, would have known that they were police anyhow because he, he had an earlier interaction with them and knew what their uniforms looked like, and he obviously wasn't intimidated by them, yada, yada. So that's the way this went down. Uh, Attorney Ward, you've got almost eight minutes. Go ahead. Uh, by way of background, this is the same prosecutor who we talked about last week who indicted the three officers uh, after the grand jury refused to do it. Uh, okay. it, appears, it appears he did a fairly extensive investigation here. I, uh, I don't have anything to criticize here. Uh, I, I looked at this a, a week ago, and, and this story that we just read is a little bit different than the way it was presented uh, in some other press reports. This makes more sense to me. I must admit that I did laugh out loud when I heard the officer shoot three times and then say police. Uh, <laughs> and I, I also had to laugh out loud when the prosecutor claimed that uh, the guy didn't matter because the guy would have known that it was police from the uniforms, although it appeared to be so dark you couldn't possibly tell what, what the uniforms looked like, and the guy had flashlights uh, shining in his face. So other than that, I presume this is all uh, done done properly. Well, thanks for pointing out the uh, the connection with the same prosecutor award. That's, that is enlightening, so thank you. Guys, any other comments on uh, on this article and the, uh, the video that was uh, available on this? If not... Yeah, the far-reaching David all the way to Hawaii now. Let's jump into our next one then. And let's see, we've got uh, Police One and Captain Rod Davis Sr. wrote the article, The Napoleon Effect, Where to Place Your Hands on Your Load-Bearing Vest. You know, uh, these are becoming more and more popular uh, and endorsed by agencies. Many officers, you know, are wearing these now. And, of course, it helps alleviate back issues and so many other things. So and you got all your tools right there. So many officers, according to the article, tend to rest or conceal their hands in or on their outer vest during non-threatening encounters. And the question is, is does this impact your reaction time? They got a video that went along with this, doing like a little demonstration. So typically there's three places where officers tend to rest their hands. So uh, position number three, and John, I'm getting some background noise. Um, so position number three, both hands placed palms down inside the vest uh, between the body and the officer's vest about chest level and elbows are away from the body. The second position is hands are palmed down, but the fingers are outside resting against the outer sides of the vest about chest level and the thumb is hooking just inside the vest. And the, the number one position, it's the top front collar of the vest with the palms down against the vest and fingers are gripping and resting in the inside top collar. So the worst is where both hands are hidden and placed inside the vest at chest level. That's position three. And the second worst is where the thumbs hooked into the vest at the chest level. And then of course the best is with the hands resting on the top. Now the reaction times and ability to block 
or Perrier significantly better position in position one. So they like uh, position one, the last one that I read, and the elbows Chip, are awesome. Chip, Chip, what? Stop. Are we having the Arthur Murray dance class on where to put your effing hands on a uniform? Am I the only one that thought this was a giant joke? Go ahead, you can continue. Nope. I did. I thought it was a joke, too. Oh, I'm like, this is the Arthur Murray or where to stick your thumbs. I got an idea. I know where you can put them. We have we have officer-involved shoot. We have defunding the police. We have bail reform. We have cops leading the law enforcement profession in droves. And we're going to talk about where I want to stick my thumbs in my overalls. That guy's got too much time on his hands. He's a house cat. Get out on the street and see what they're doing and stop worrying about the load-bearing bag. Maybe I'm crazy. All right, David, no, what's your take on this? No, no the, the correct answer is nowhere. Um, that's as bad as putting your putting your hands in your pockets while you're standing there talking to a suspect. It's stupid. All you guys out there that are hanging your hands on your load-bearing vest somewhere, stop it. Stop it now. Put your hands in front of you in a nice position where you can react like you're supposed to react. Don't put your hands anywhere except where they, where they need to be, and that's in front of you the whole time doing this, waiting for something to happen. Yellow alert does not mean putting your hands in your collar. Get off of it. None. Nowhere. All three are bad. Don't do it. How about that? Wow. All right. Captain Bartlett, you're up. When I, when I saw this, all I could think of was that scene in Napoleon Bonaparte where the guy's teaching Rex Kwando, and he goes, break the wrist, walk away. Break the wrist, walk away. And he taps the other guy on the head. Break the wrist, walk away. That's what I was thinking. Brett, didn't you train with the Israelis doing all that like somersault stuff in the air and drawing your gun and racking yeah, it as they, you yeah. by the holster? Yeah, they try they try to teach us a forward roll. Didn't work out well for me, but thanks for bringing that out. Every once in a while, <laughs> my my shoulder still twinges up when it's cold. Oh gosh, yeah, I remember the stories of that one. That was yeah, interesting. All right, well now that we've kind of blown through that story, thank you, uh, uh, Captain or Chief Newman. Uh, Police one, Judge backs activists seeking more Minneapolis police officers. So, um, so Hennepin County, uh, we've got a judge on Thursday ordered leaders to keep the number of Minneapolis police officers at a level required in the city charter, saying that Mayor Jacob Frey and the city council that they both fail to perform an official duty clearly imposed by law. So the ruling's a victory for eight activists who sued the city, uh, saying that there's high violent crime levels, especially in poor min minority neighborhoods. And it talks about Judge Jamie L. Anderson issuing the order and saying that they either need 730.33 officers or equal to 0 0.0017 of the city's 2020 census. And the Minneapolis eight, that's the people that sued and got this victory. So um, I know that someone has sent me an email about a judge's order about the police, and it may have been Ward, I don't know, but any comments on that? David, you're grinning. I'm sure you're thinking the wheels are turning, yeah. David. Uh, I, no, it, it, it's just hysterical as, as, the, as the idiocy just continues to go in a circle. It, it's hysterical. Uh, they're finally, finally, somebody's going, uh, yeah, this, this no cop thing is getting to be a bad thing. They're doing this in other places, not necessarily in these same ways with the same, with the, with using a, uh, you know, suing for about the city charter, but they're doing the same stuff in other places. Um, I think Baltimore's trying to hire more cops. Now other places are trying to hire more cops after they kind of went, Ooh, this is not a good thing, but I, I let them burn. I don't care. All right, uh, Lieutenant Randy, you've got a minute and 20 seconds. Uh, this is the first time that, that the uh, city council has actually been held to account for their their uh, um, 
absolute incompetence. And I, I was really happy to see this. These activists, you know, normally we think of activists as, as, uh, as people of, of, uh, that are negative towards law enforcement. These are people that are citizens that really wanted to hold the city council to account. And they did so. This is a this is a milestone, and this is a big deal. Um, the other problem, the only problem here is who the hell is going to join the Minneapolis Police Department? That is an excellent question. But uh, and I think it's people, the, it's uh, people. No, Chip, it's people that didn't apply to California, didn't apply to Illinois. <laughs> <perhaps>. <laughs> I think that one of the people in the lawsuit, I think that they were a former councilman, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Randy, or there was some connection there. But uh, but uh, good. that is All correct. Good. That is correct. There was a, a former city councilman who was the one that actually led the effort. All right. Well, look, thanks, guys. We're going to take another commercial break. It'll be our last commercial break for the evening. We'll be right back. So look, podcast, if you don't listen to us on radio and you're driving your car around, try our podcast. And also we're on TV as well. Now, Law Enforcement Today, they're marketing the podcast for us, but we have an RSS feed. We're on Anchor, and that's really our staple that helps gets us out to the other podcast platforms. We're on Breaker, CastBox, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, which of course is iTunes, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and also Spotify, which I'm sure everyone is familiar with. And hey, if you don't want to check us out on the podcast, you're interested in streaming TV, we're on livefreetelevision.com. So livefreetelevision.com. They're actually getting us on to Roku and the Fire Stick TV uh, this summer. In fact, I need to reach out to them again and see you know, how we're looking on that because it should be happening uh, before the summer's over in the next month or two. So we'll keep you informed on that. So please check out those podcast formats. All right, welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Show. Any more comments, guys, on the last topic? And if not, man, I've got a, a video for you guys, Thin Blue Line TV and KGET.com. So it says deranged man, and this is caught on body cams, deranged man stabbing two women, refuses to drop a knife, fatally shot by deputies. Um, guys, we have some awesome quotes from the sheriff. I, I just would love to get your feedback on it. But Bakersfield, California, so yes, David, we're in California, but some surprising remarks from the sheriff, at least in my opinion. So Kern County is where we're at. We have Sherry, uh, Sheriff Donnie Youngblood released new details about an officer-involved shooting that happened last May in uh, Wasco, I guess, that left one man dead. Kern County Sheriff deputies were called uh, to a reporting of a stabbing. Video shows three deputies. They enter an apartment building. They find a 21-year-old named Daniel Gomez. He's our bad guy attacking two women in a bathroom. So KSO or KCSO, that's the, of course, the um, Kern County Sheriff's Office. They say that there were three children in the home at the time. And during the nearly 10-minute body cam video, it did go on for a long time, deputies were heard virtually begging Gomez to not make them shoot. Meanwhile, we've got a victim there, you know, seemingly bleeding to death. Deputies can be heard saying, put the knife down, do it for your kids. Now, 17 News asked Sheriff Donnie Youngblood, uh, 
deputies fired when in the video it didn't appear that gomez lunged at anyone so they wanted to know why he did that so the sheriff said they knew they had a victim who had been stabbed she was uh, vocal and bleeding uh, they had an obligation to get to her and this is what the sheriff told the media they allowed an enormous amount of time for this person to comply look how far the suspect moved the officers now had their backs to the wall they had no more escape he certainly was in range of stabbing a deputy had they waited for one more step what would have happened now, we don't know the answer to that thank god and uh, the reporter failed to capitalize the G in God, by the way, which kind of ticked me off a little bit. Now, um, the uh, 17's Moses Small, that's the reporter, said, would it have been possible for the officers to use a taser rather than firing their handguns at the bad guy? And the sheriff says, hey, they're equipped with tasers. I can't answer why they chose not to use the taser, but I can tell you this. We have a tendency not to take a knife to a gunfight, not to take a taser to a knife fight. Tasers don't always work. And would it have been possible for them to fire and hit him in the leg, uh, perhaps as small? And the sheriff says, no, it is not possible. When you discharge your firearm, if you don't hit the, the brain, the spine, or the heart, the suspect doesn't stop. We talked about children being there. When you start talking about aiming for limbs and those miss, where do you think those rounds go? Maybe into a child. We do not train the shoot limbs, we train the stop, the threat. And both women in the video were hospitalized following, uh, following the attack. Um, so, wow, just a interesting quick words from the sheriff. Uh, David and Brett and anybody else who wants to chime in, we have seven minutes left before, we, uh, before the, uh, the show time runs out. Go ahead, guys. I'm going to take Brett's thunder right away from him. They waited way, way too long. Sorry, Brett. I had to do it because uh, I knew you were going to go there. Um, as the, you know, it's, we, we like, I like to say, I won't put words in Brett's mouth. I'm going to ask you once, I'm going to tell you once, and then I'm going to make you. So there's not a whole lot of, of, of more than that. The begging, the pleading, the backing up, um, all that sort of stuff. They let this guy walk them into a crossfire. They were just, he was just about there to create a crossfire between two of the deputies that were on either side of him as he came out of the hallway into the living room. It was just that close. Um, I couldn't see the exact angle, but that's what it looked like. So these guys waited way too long. The one woman got tired of waiting. She stabbed. She said, I'm not going to lay here forever. She got up and walked out on her own. I mean, that's got to tell you something, how long this went on. So way too long way way too long the guy i think one of the officers said if you take one more step at least three times so the guy took three more steps after you told him don't take another step so yeah guys you're you're back you're into the as brett likes to say the beta commands or the beta requests now and you've lost control of that situation you could see him working it up in his head and gathering himself trying to gather himself for something they, they waited way way too long to, to do what they had to do all right, thanks, Dave. Hey, uh, before Brett and John go, um, producer Will, the floor is yours. Um, Michael MVS just donated. Michael MVS in Colorado. So thanks, MVS, for the support in the show. We appreciate it. Um, hey, uh, and Brett um, and John, what do you guys cover? You know, we don't usually have videos to where you're using lethal force against someone that's really not necessarily a threat to you. Now, now this guy was, but David's talking about taking action earlier. And, you know, he's standing between the cops and a victim who's bleeding out. So can you cover the justification in using deadly force in that situation? Um, go well, ahead. Go ahead, guys. Well, if this was Florida, under 776.012 subparagraph 2, you can use deadly force to prevent the imminent commission of, 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 of a forcible felony or, or a, a, a death or great bodily harm to himself, herself, or another. So if this was Florida, the cops have permission. This was, if this was a citizen, 
the cops have permission. Now, to the whole God thing, if God was a minority, they would have had to capitalize the G. And second thing, it's pretty bad when the victim goes, fellas, I got to go. I got I got a yoga class I got in 20 minutes. So I'm going to go ahead and add off. So I got to go. But to, to Dave's point, buddy, drop the knife. Drop the knife. Bang. The knife goes to the ground. Because the longer you wait, the longer you wait, the more likely it is that somebody other than the bad guy is going to get hurt. All right. Thanks, Captain. Chief Newman. All right. We will skip over then. And, hey, I just want to point out that, you know, unique, you know, kind of fascinating situation where, yes, you've got a, a victim that could bleed out and you've got a bad guy that's between you and that victim. You can't render aid. You can't save that victim. The victim could die. And, and, and you've got a responsibility as a police officer. Uh, Lieutenant Randy, uh, the, uh, go ahead. The floor is yours. I, I just want to say this is a result of what we have done to our cops. We have we have put them in a position where they are scared to death to use the proper amount of force at the appropriate time. I mean, this is like, this is an ongoing uh, theme from many of the stories that we've heard today. This is just another example of it. All right, thank you. All right, guys, moving along here, we've only got a little over three minutes left, so I'm gonna cover this real quick. It's a video, Thin Blue Line TV and gbwire.com off-duty deputy save citizens uh, from erratic gunmen. So this is in uh, Bakersfield. We've got Kern County Sheriff's Office, which is the same sheriff's office, identified the man killed by an off-duty deputy in a gun battle outside a pizza parlor as 36-year-old Cesar Sanchez Ruiz. And it happened on Thursday evening. Um, our bad guy was driving all around. A lot of things happened with him losing a tire, um, trying to uh, get inside a business. Uh, trying to break doors, all kinds of stuff. But then he uh, he tries to uh, break the window of a car in a parking lot. People are outside, and they approach him. He pulls a gun from his waistband, points it at them. Then an off-duty deputy who was at the business sees what's going on, confronts the man, and then there's this gun battle, and and it's a surveillance camera. So I don't there's no there's no audio, uh, but you're watching this thing go down, and people hide behind cars and stuff. The man falls to the ground. He's still got the gun. So deputy takes aim at him again, and he shoots him, and the guy the bad guy dies. No one else was injured, and a firearm was recovered. Uh, you know from the bad guy. So, uh, David D. Gresta, two minutes hey, and 15 seconds. Listen, that, that, that off-duty cop did a, a very good job. The only thing he didn't do do well is after it was over was go after the guy with the cell phone that kept that walked up like he was looking. There was a pedestrian that walked up into the scene, looked like he was watching a, a, a movie production in a parking lot. The only thing that the off-duty cop didn't do right is, is after the shooting was over, go over and beat the living crap out of that guy with that <laughs> cell phone. Because I'm telling you what... I, you, he's the cop has got so much going on. He's got pedestrians he's trying to get out of the way, people in cars he's trying to get out of the way. He's trying to engage the bad guy, which he does all of it very well. Other pedestrians are trying to help him very well, except there's one idiot with a cell phone. Oh, that that's that's a beating in the parking lot. I'm taking the I'm taking the, the excessive use of force on uh, right up on that one all day long. But he's getting a beating. <laughs> you gotta love David. All right, uh, let's see. Last one, guys. I got a minute and 18 seconds left. I want to just throw this one in there. I'm kind of jumping around a little bit. Police one, Ohio police chief seen putting a Ku Klux Klan note on another black officer's desk, and he resigned. Now, I, actually, I think this uh, this chief, I, I can't remember. I think maybe he was white, uh, but it's um, Shuffled Lake, Ohio. And so the chief is Anthony Campo. He puts this Ku Klux Klan sign on a black officer's desk, and Mayor Dennis Brings said that well, uh, the mayor was going to 
going to fire him. He ends up resigning so that he doesn't get fired. But we got 44 seconds. Lieutenant Randy, the floor is yours. Yes, he was white, and he thought it would be an amusing thing. And remember, this guy whose desk he put it on, he's only been a cop there for nine months. It, yeah. it's, it's, it's inexplicable. It's inexplicable what was going through this police chief. And this guy was the chief of police for the last eight years. What other things did he do? Yeah, not no more, as John would say. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks to our panel for being here. We're making the show possible. Uh, appreciate your guys' uh, input. And also a thank you to our sponsors, knowyourforce.com. Uh, a lot more coming up about them later in, in future shows. Galls, Extra Duty Solutions, GunLearn.com, Verding Weapon Technologies, and Guardian Alliance Technologies. And a special thank you to Pexit for sponsoring the show and for powering us. Hope everybody has a wonderful and a safe week, guys.